uh, reading today really is about the fact that we had so much expectation on the leaders of the world, or rather, I would say the chief executive operating officers of nations, the chief servants of nations. We prayed in this church and in churches across England and across the world, there were prayers, there were protests, there were campaigns to sensitize and to encourage our leaders to make the right decisions. As all of us felt that time was running out and something needed to be done urgently to stop the decline in our climate situation. So the optimism and hope that we all had was not met in the agreements, in all the, 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 the targets that were set and agreed by, by our leaders. Today, in this reading, we're introduced to a servant leader whose main preoccupation is to bring us back in great relationship with God. The question I would like to leave with you at the minute is, would you put your faith in him? Let us pray. We thank you for the gift of your word. In our hearing today, help us to understand the message of the hour and grant that your spirit will help us to respond in faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The servant of the Lord comes to restore nations to restore us back to a right relationship with God. Put your faith in Jesus, God's perfect servant. Please turn to verse 1 with me as we examine the servant's relationship with the Father. Here is my servant, whom I uphold the one that I have chosen, in whom I delight. The words used here describe the deep affection God has towards his son. Remember, at his baptism, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, God said, this is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. The chosen one, the one in whom God delights, is Jesus Christ, who will restore proper worship of the Father and restore God's people back to him. The servant perfectly submits to the Father's mission 
And how is this going to be accomplished? By the servant's power. Slide two, please. I will put my spirit on him. Verse one. This indicates that God's presence is with Jesus in a very special way. In Isaiah 61 verse verse 1 and 2, we read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. He will accomplish this in a unique way, not by military might, but by enabling, by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. And also by his teaching, which is the word of God, verse 4b. Let us look at this, the servant's redemption. Slide three, please. He will bring justice to the nations. Verse 1b. And if you look at verse 3c, it talks about in faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. And verse 4a, he will not falter till he establishes justice on earth. This is his all-inclusive and breathtaking task. The key term is justice, which in Hebrew is rendered as mispat. Justice, therefore, in Hebrew is bigger than what you or I think about, we normally think about in our own legal system. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 14, Justice has to do with God's creative ordering of the universe. And in verse 27 of that same chapter, it refers to the maintenance of Israel's relationship with God. And in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 1, it refers to the establishment of God's sovereignty over Israel. Viewed against this background, justice means transformation. The servant will restore to God that all that was stolen when Adam sinned. And the fourth slide, the servant will not stop until God's image is restored. If you look at verse 2 to 4, it describes that. He will not stop until his mission is accomplished. The restoration, and that is the restoration of the full image of God in man. On the cross, when Christ cried, it is finished. It signaled the completion of the task Being being human, we falter or feel discouraged, especially when our leaders let us down. But this servant 
he will not falter in his task or be discouraged. Verse 4. Neither does he raise his voice in the streets or command people. Verse 2. He does not use force like a military leader, but he is quiet and gentle. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Verse 3a. A bruised reed is a metaphor for those who are vulnerable, bruised by sin, those on the margins. And a smoldering wick represents those whose fate have gone cold. The servant became like us so he can be God's answer to our weakness and failure. Brothers and sisters, as we reflect on this passage, we discover our own vulnerability. Afflicted by sin, we have been left bruised, morally weakened, lonely, isolated from God. Perhaps you feel hopeless and helpless. As with Israel, we are all invited to put our faith in Jesus Christ, who is the servant that mends and restores. He reaches out to the sinner. He mends broken hearts so that he can bring wholeness to people. You may be a believer who has drifted away for some time and whose fate has grown cold. Perhaps, perhaps you're feeling you're not good enough for God. But who is good enough? None. The deepest need of the human heart is for someone who can heal a broken relationship with God. Jesus is the divine redeemer who takes broken people who barely have any image of God left in them and heals them. And he does more. He adds fuel to the smoldering wick by his spirit and ignites the flame of God's image once again. Have faith in him. Repent and confess your sins to God and ask the Messiah to save and restore you. Slide five. The servant, a covenant and a light. Please turn with me to verses 5 and 7, which, addressed, which was addressed to the servant himself. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, verse 6. And your mission is to be a covenant and a light, verse 6b. 
God affirms himself as creator, the one who gives breath to all people. Verse 5b, know this, though our world leaders may not care, the God who made the world is committed to its welfare. The servant embodies the covenant for Israel, Isaiah 14, 49 verse 8, and a light for the Gentiles. Through him, God's purposes for this world will be realized. How? By opening eyes and freeing captives from prison and releasing those who sit in darkness. Darkness is symbolic of the Babylonian captivity. For it seems Israel was in exile at the time of writing this prophecy. And just as all nations are also in bondage to sin, the servant is here to undo all the horrendous and degrading effects that sin has had on the human race and to restore people to their true freedom and dignity as sons and daughters of God. The servant is the mediator of the new covenant. By his death, he takes upon himself our guilt permanently. So, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. John chapter 8 verse 36. Put your faith in him. Jesus sets the captives free and he illuminates the people who sit in darkness because he is light. Now we turn to verse 8 and 9. God speaks here directly to Israel, again saying, I am the Lord. New things I declare, I announce them to you. The former things were the prophecies fulfilled which he wants Israel to, rec to, to recall as a proof of his sovereignty in their experience of exile. The new things speak of the work of the servant to open a new chapter in God's relationship with his people and with the world. This is the ultimate means by which God will reveal the glory, his glory in a new way like never before. And this renewal that Christ brings will continue until new heavens and a new earth are birth at his second coming. As I speak, his work is progressing all over the world in our midst here as well. Work healing humanity's broken relationship with God and releasing people from bitterness 
from blindness and from spiritual darkness. Verse 7. This passage is good news for all people. I hope you are excited about this. Indeed, to all nations, Jews and Gentiles alike, for whom Christ is a new covenant and a light. Permit me to illustrate this point with the story of a prisoner. For some of you, you know I work in the prison, so I'm interested in things like this. I'll quote this prisoner. Now he is no longer a prisoner. He served the Lord in the field. I'll quote him, Barbatim. Hopelessness, he said, hopelessness gripped me the moment I was put into prison as a young man. I tried to outwardly cover my fear and anxiety, but inside I was crumbling. One night, I was alone in my cell, and the sleeplessness and anxiety were overwhelming. There was no peace, only a storm in my head. But then it happened. I spoke out loud. God, if you are real, come and give me peace. I was not expecting much, but something really happened that night. A presence entered my cell, a warmth that quickly turned into more. That night, I slept. I really slept. And I woke up knowing that I had encountered the peace of God in my prison cell." Unquote. You see, the security barriers in prison are intimidating, I would say the least. The high imposing perimeter walls, barbed wire, iron gates, reinforced iron gates, uh, iron cell doors, basically to ensure that inmates are kept inside. But God's spirit could not be kept out. This broken man was given a new beginning as a child of God. He now is a minister of the gospel. As Brian and the team come over to lead us, may I invite you to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and to come into your heart if you have never done so before. And if you have drifted away from him, rededicate yourself, your life to him in faith and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit.